Well, amen. Welcome, everyone, tonight. And he is right about the missions. Uh, you do support the missions. It, it comes, uh, we, uh, it's our church. It's your church. And uh, I, I asked Brother Dave, and uh, we're going to have a meeting in January, and I asked Brother Dave and Cliff Taylor to uh, preach that thing, and, and, the, and the focus of that meeting is what the church's responsibility is in this age. And whether you believe it or not, you have a responsibility. It's not going to be your typical missions conference where you bring missionaries up here and try to get everybody, oh, I'm, because what will happen is, just like he said, uh, we got a list of missionaries there, and we're going to support those missionaries whether anybody gives or not. Uh, that money is going to come out of the general fund. But uh, there's tithes and offerings, and the offerings, uh, when you give a tithe to the church, that's to keep the church lights on and Fix a stupid flickering. I'm watching that flickering up there flickering, and I tried to fix it the other day. I'm still trying to think of what would cause that problem, but uh, I'll figure that thing out because the three of them flicker, and that one don't. I don't know why it doesn't flicker. That one should flicker too, but it doesn't, so it's kind of a weird thing. But, but you, that's where your offerings does that. It pays my salary, and that isn't as big as you think, but that's okay. It pays that and keeps the lights on. It keeps the building maintenance, the parking lots. Uh, they, they wanted $11,000 to to repay or to put, just to put the blacktop or whatever you call it, sealer coating on that, fix all the cracks, seal coat it and restripe it, 11 grand. Now there's where that goes. But then your, your ties are that, but your offerings go above that. And really when you start looking at stuff in life, you sit there and say, well, you know, but I've got this and I've got that. You know, everything you have come from the Lord to start with. It's all his. It's every bit of it's his. Uh, I believe everything I have is his. There's nothing I have that isn't. My wife is his. Uh, my kids are his. I got rid of my dogs, but they were his when, when I had them. Uh, my land is his. My house is his. What I have is his. It's not mine. It never was mine. And one of these days, I'll go away, and I won't have nothing left, and I'll leave this place. I was looking at Facebook today, and somebody's selling caskets on Facebook. I'm like, what a weird thing. Now you can get a casket stored in your garage, and then when you need it, man, just go out there and get it, and you're done. Uh, you can save money there, but... You know what, uh, he's talking about Dr. Eastep. Dr. Eastep used to do a lot of stuff, and he would show you how to save money. And a lot of times we spend money foolishly in areas where we shouldn't do it. I'll tell you one thing. I'll show you one. Uber. You have Uber come and deliver stuff to your house, you're wasting your money, right? Don't, don't tell me you can't give to missions or you can't give to this other thing. Because if you're having somebody deliver food to you, a pizza, get off your honey and go get the pizza, man. Uh, I mean, that's the farthest thing from my mind. Uh, now, that has nothing to do with the message, by the way. That's all free. Uh, <laughs> but take your Bibles, go to Jeremiah. Man, I like, I like the book of Jeremiah. It's a, such a great book. It's Jeremiah chapter 23. I was reading through there today, and, and uh, I, I sit down and just started reading and reading and reading, and I come across this verse, and I always like that verse, and I, I like the passages it is. Jeremiah, Jeremiah the Lord, Jeremiah's a strange bird. He's a strange character in your Bible. Uh, he never got married, never had kids, never had nothing. The Lord told him to stay single, stay celibate. Uh, he wasn't a Catholic priest. He was, he was Jeremiah. Uh, and the Lord was always talking to him, and, and he told Jeremiah some things. And, and most people just refused to believe what God said. And, and brethren, the best thing you can ever do is, is submit yourself to the mighty hand of God and, and let that thing go. But down in verse 23, Jeremiah 23, 23 says, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord? And not a God afar off. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord. Do not I fill the heaven and the earth? Saith the Lord. Three times he mentions the Lord himself there, saith the Lord. I said this three times. Three times. Over in verse 28. 
He goes, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Bless the message, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now the, he says right there, he goes, what is the chaff to the wheat? Title of this message is above my pay grade. You know, you know most of the time what we do is we do not listen Amen. to what God says. And we try to do it our way, and we do not listen to what God says. You know, God's very clear about what you should do in your life from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. He's very clear about what you should do with your finances. He's, I mean, that's really a basic lead into this. I, I wasn't going to talk about any about money at all because really it has nothing to do with anything. It, he has, it has, your life should be guided and directed by the hand of God. Now, when I say it's above my pay grade, I have a friend that's a preacher. We're going to go down and see him in, in November. But he always, I'd ask him, he said, brother, that's above my pay grade. Brother, that's above my pay grade. That's above my pay grade. You know, about everything you do is above your pay grade when it comes to God. That's where faith comes in. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You got to get to the place where you just trust him. Now, that meeting we're going to have in January, is, it's your responsibility to the church, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a picture of the church, by the way. The bride of Christ is us. If you're in this room tonight and you're saved, you know that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're saved. You're his bride. Yeah. I haven't ever figured that one out yet. I'll get to heaven one day. He'll have to show me how that thing works because I think our definition of bride is totally different than what it really is. But he, he says, I'm his bride. Well, if that's the case, then the groom's job is to supply all the needs for his bride. And the bride's job is to supply all the needs of the groom. And what we have done so many times is we let the, the groom supply our needs, and then we do with whatever we got somewhere else. And we forget exactly what we're here for. I like the way the Lord said that in that last, Jeremiah 28, 20, uh, 23, 28 says, The prophet let him have his dream. I am sick of people coming up, well, the Lord... If the Lord told you what to do, how come you're not doing it? The problem is, isn't me doing it for you. It's you doing it for you. It isn't me doing anything for you. I got plenty enough to do on my own. I don't need to do your stuff and my stuff. You should have your own thing going with the Lord. I like Mrs. Ruth. I have never had to tell her to go to jail. Matter of fact, Brother Tom sits there. I never had to tell him to go to jail. Brother Tim, I have to add him and Andrew in there because if I don't, they'll get mad at me because I never told them to go to jail. Well, I did tell them to go to jail at one time, but, uh, and I told them they could come out too. But, they, but these people, they're, they're faithful in what they're doing. That's a ministry. You know how that thing started? We had a guy here that was uh, handicapped, and when he came in, he told me that he had a jail ministry. The Lord told him he had a jail ministry. That's what it says right here. <laughs> the prophet that had a dream. He had a dream. He had no way of fulfilling that dream, but he had a dream. His dream was... I'm going to have a jail ministry. I'm like, no, you're not going to have a jail ministry. I'm going to have a jail ministry. I can see which way this is going right now. And it's like I'm sitting there watching this guy, and I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to start the jail ministry. I'm going to help get the thing started, and you're going to scatter, and I'm going to be stuck with the jail ministry. I said, I can see that happening. And it's like the Lord's saying, yep, that's what's going to happen here. I'm like, you, you're going to make I said, I've already been in the jail ministry, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I know exactly what a jail ministry is. I said, but I, this church must need a jail ministry. And the Lord it stuck this man in my life to nudge me along to start the jail ministry again. I did not know that there was going to be four or five people that were going to take that ministry over and I wouldn't have to do it. But initially, the thing had to be started, so the church started it. 
You know what's wrong with a lot of people is you want, I'll, I'll use it, you'll want me to start you a ministry, but you're the one who says it's a ministry. The Lord said, well, then why aren't you doing what the Lord said? You know, that's what Jeremiah's saying here. The prophet that hath a dream, let him, let him tell his dream. It's above my pay grade. It really is. Let him tell his dream. He goes, he goes, he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. There's a difference there. Just because somebody has a dream or they feel like, you know, people get emotional. Emotion is about the worst thing. But I like emotions. Man, could you imagine a world of people going around like this? Well, that's pretty much what we got now. I wonder who's going to get elected in November. Somebody asked me today, are you going to vote? I said, nope. Why? I don't care to vote. Why should I care to vote? I, I vote for Jesus. He's not on the ballot. That's who I vote for, Jesus. He's going to take care of my problem. I ain't going to tell you not to vote. Vote if you want to vote. I think it's a, free, it's a freedom. you got a right to vote. you got a right not to vote. you got a right to vote and have it not counted. <laughs> you got all kinds of stuff. I don't really care what you do. What I'm telling you that you need to do something for God faithfully. If you'd wake up in the morning and do everything you do for this world faithfully, at the judgment seat of Christ, when he's rooting us on, and I believe he is rooting us on, what is he going to look at you and say, you've done faithful down here on this planet? What have you done? I've had people say, well, if you, when you start looking at somebody else, I'll tell you how you tell if you're, you're the, the priest, the, the, the prophet that hath a dream, or if you're the one who's doing it faithfully. Are you looking at somebody else to always blame for your condition? If you're blaming somebody else for your condition, then you're the prophet that hath a dream, and you think somebody owes you something that you don't get. The guy who does it faithfully falls in it because the Lord opens the door in front of his face every five seconds, and you can't do nothing but fall in it. And all you're doing is repeating. You know what I like? I like this book because all I got to do is repeat it. Repeat after me. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Uh, that's all you got to do. Matthew, Matthew, he says, I like, but he says right there, he says, what is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord. Four times the Lord says, saith the Lord. In those four verses, three verses, saith the Lord. Am I a God at hand? Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? He goes, am I not like right here? That's what he's telling. Jeremiah's saying, he says, am I not right here? Right here, right now. Yes, you are. I'm not afar off. I'm right here. I'm right here. Do you understand right here? Then why do you worry about what you're doing? Why do you let the... Oh, man, go back. This is a freebie. This don't cost you nothing. Jeremiah chapter 1. This is free, man. You ever read your Bible? Apparently, apparently some people don't. <laughs> I like reading my Bible. Verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. You know he knew who you were before you were born? Uh, you're a Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist at all. I just think my God's omnipotent. I think he's all-knowing, omniscient. I think, I think he knows the beginning, end from the beginning. I think he's like right here. I think he always is. He says, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah, I know exactly who you are. Then he goes over verse 8. This is something the Lord told me years ago, years and years and years ago. He says, be not afraid of their faces. You always say, Mike, why are you such a jerk? Because the Lord told me to be a jerk. I like it, man. You do what he says, do. Who cares? Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Go over to verse 17. Therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. You know there's one thing I don't want? 
I don't want God to slam me in front of a bunch of sinners. I do not want God to take me down in front of a bunch of sinners and, and just stomp me all over the place and say, if you ain't going to do what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you out. That is a personal command to me. Now, I am not Jeremiah, by the way. <laughs> I am Mike in the New Testament. And I know where I fit in the New Testament. But the Lord sits there and says, Mike, I'll confound you. He said, you need to tell them faithfully what I tell you to say. I'm going to preach a message, probably half of the message I preached Sunday. Again, I'm going to preach it again Sunday night. Uh, and it, it's, I sit there and looked at the thing. I said, Lord, but I already preached this thing. They're going to think I'm out of my mind. They're going to think I'm senile. I'm, I got dementia or something. I said, no, I don't have dementia. I said, there's some things that you just need to go over and over again. Matthew 13, 24. I'll, I'll watch the time and I'll shut it down. And, you know, I got plenty of time. We got, we, this is going to be a study. It's like a study, man. We got to, you know, the Lord is, is a great Lord. He, you got, he's, he's always with you. I don't have to worry about what anybody else does on this planet. Uh, I am tired of people coming up trying to tell me what I should do. I told uh, my wife comes up. Oh, that's her right there, by the way. But uh, she, her and Sandy are in cahoots. They're cahooting. Beth will come home, and I mean, she'll be on me for a week. And it's all my fault. It's not theirs. I'm telling you, I hate administration. I hate it. Sandy will be, she'll tell you. Beth will definitely tell you. Jerry, will pop, he'll back up both of them on this. I already know he will. I hate it. But Sandy, I need everything. She don't say it quite like that. I'm saying like that just to be, because I'm preaching. She's not getting a chance. <laughs> I need rethink. But does she come to me? Of course she doesn't come to me. No, 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 no. She goes to her. Then Beth catches me in the middle of the night. She'll wake up. You got those rethink? <laughs> I'm like, where did that come from, man? Oh, I love you so much, Mike. You're such the Mikey in my life. I love you. Where's the receipts at? Where's the receipts? Where's the receipts? Where's the receipts? I hate that stuff. You know what? The Lord has given us a place, and he's given us people, and he's given us things to do and responsibilities to be faithful. He says, Mike, I didn't call you to take care of books. I called you to tell the truth. And you're not this brainiac genius, and you'll never be a J. Frank Norris, and you'll never be a Jack Hiles, Dr. Jack Hiles, Dr. J. Frank Norris, a Dr. Peter S. Rockman. You'll not be a Dr. David Peacock. You'll not be some of these great men out there. You'll not be them. You'll not be an old Robert. <laughs> be healed. I never understood why he had to have a hospital. Some things just boggle my mind. I'm a great faith healer. But if you don't have faith, you, can, you got insurance? We can take care of you with the insurance. I, got, I don't understand that stuff. But over in Matthew 13, the Lord has had this thing under control for eons. He's trying to tell you I got it under control. All we have to be is faithful. He was talking about missions. Okay, if you're not going to go, I'll be honest with you, if you're not going to go to Zimbabwe and, and work with the missions, you better put some money where the plate is to send a missionary there or to keep one on the field. That's bottom line. Uh, he says that to Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. I've got a responsibility to everything on this world. So do you. That's what this meeting is going to be in January. It's your responsibility to the church, not to an individual out there. I think so many times what we do is we get our minds set up to this individual, oh, this guy, this guy, and then when they're gone, out of sight, out of mind, we're okay again. No, 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 no. This is your responsibility to God. Your responsibility is not mine, and mine is not yours. Never has been, never will be. Mine is mine. 
I just got the privilege of being what I'm doing now for the Lord for 41 years, 40, almost 43 now, and he's allowed me to do some stuff, and he just says, be faithful. You know, all he's looking for is some faithful people. He's not looking for somebody who knows everything about the Bible. He's looking for somebody who's faithful. You know what I know about you guys? You're here on Wednesday night. You're faithful. You come in on a Wednesday night after working all day long. You're faithful. And sometimes you can't show up. I got that, man. You know what I don't do is I don't get on everybody's back because you're not here. I've had people in this town say, well, you can't go to Mike's church because everybody has to wear suits and ties. I'm looking around, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of scratching my head like, where's all the suits and ties at? Now, I think if you're going to get behind the pulpit, you ought to have a suit and tie on. Amen. At least a shirt and a tie. If you're going to read a prayer letter or whatever, I think uh, every now and then, every now and then, there's an exception to the rule where you come in working all day long, and that's it. If I can't do it and somebody else does, that's fine. There's an, always an exception to the rule, but the rule is you ought to be a faithful member. You ought to be a faithful servant. Amen. That's all I want to be. Matthew 13, 24. Lord's song. Jeremiah says, the Lord says, four times, say it the Lord, say it the Lord, say it the Lord, say it the Lord. Do you ever think that he might just want you to catch what he just said? Yeah. Hello? That's, hey, that's once for the Father. That's once for the Son. That's once for the, the Holy Ghost. And the other time's for you, bonehead. That's me. That's me right there. I'm the bonehead, so don't get offended. He said, you got that thing? He said, I'm telling you what to do. People say, well, I just wish I knew what the Lord's will was. It's to be faithful. I'll tell you what faithful. That's what it is. Matthew 13, 24. I like this one. This is a good, good passage here. I'll shut up here. I will, man. I mean, really, I will. I don't know exactly when, but I will. Matthew 13, 24. I just like my Bible, man. Another parable put, put he forth. This is Jesus training. If you've got a red-letter Bible, I had a person one time said, only thing you have to look, worry about is what's in red. I'm like, how did you get that, man? I said, first of all, you don't, shouldn't have it in red. You should be able to read what's red and know what's red is red. After you read it, you should read it. You should know what's red. I know what's red. I can tell what's red. I can tell when Jesus talks. Which is another parable he put forth under them saying, guess what? He didn't. That's not red. Why is it not? My Bible's not red. The kingdom of God. This is Jesus starting to talk. The king, as a matter of fact, all, I'll get in that in a few minutes. Uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's talking about the earthly thing. The kingdom of heaven is like, unto the, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. And when, he obeyed, uh, and when uh, the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the house, that's us, we, you know, we come in, the householder, came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said, Unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather up, uh, gather them up? Lord, should we bring fire down from heaven and consume them? He says, you know what spirit you are of. He said, you don't know what you're even saying. You have no idea. He, he goes, but he said, nay. This is the Lord talking. He said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Have you ever considered what you do to the wheat? Have you ever considered, now this is us right here. We are, we're out there. We want to be that servant. The title of this message is Above My Pay Grade. Have you ever considered what you do to the wheat? That's not my wheat, that's his. I just get the privilege to work in the field. 
That's all I get. I just get a privilege from him to know that I work for him, number one, and that I get to work in his field. That's like Boaz, man. I mean, that's cool as anything. I love that story. Here's Ruth. Man, I, I'm like Ruth. <laughs> I still don't understand that bride thing, but I'll get that thing one of these days. Here's Ruth, man. She just haps to light on Boaz's field. And Boaz's men are thankful to be able to work in Boaz's field. And they're getting ready to slam this lady that's back here. Boaz says, you leave her alone, man. You don't touch that lady. You know why? Because Boaz already knew some things about that lady that the guys in the field didn't know. Because later on down the road, you read the story there, and you watch your head. Boaz says, I know thee and what you have done for your, your mother-in-law. Naomi, I know what you've already done. If you think this thing was hidden under a brick somewhere, a rock somewhere, nah, -uh, I already know what's done. And I've watched what's done, and you're a lady of honor, man. He goes, that's a good woman right there. He says, y'all take, y'all leave a couple hands full of purpose back there for her. You dumb stuff, if you don't, you're going to get fired. Now, he didn't have to say that, because when all he had to do was say it, they said, yes, sir, no problem. Have you ever considered what you do to the wheat in the field? Those guys would have got rid of her in a heartbeat. But the master of the field said, that one's mine. Don't hurt it. Have you ever considered that thing? It's a great passage, man. Jeremiah back here says, I like him, says, what is the wheat to the chaff? What is the wheat to the chaff? You know what chaff is? Chaff is when you have your, even in wheat, when you're sitting there and you're, you're throwing the wheat up in the air, that's what they did. You read back in the book of, of uh, Ruth, or, and that's where they're at. They're down in the threshing floor. When you start threshing and you throw stuff in the air, the wind blows the chaff because it's lighter away, but the seed drops back down. That's on wheat. But chaff itself is just, it's just a burling. It's a nothing. It's of no value. The whole plant is of no value. Uh, and the Lord says, I said, what is the wheat to the chaff? I've got the wheat. The wheat is mine. He said, don't worry about the chaff. That's my problem. He said, I'll come at the end of the time. In the passage here, he goes on. He says, the servant of the householder, uh, he said unto them, an enemy had done this. And he goes, uh, verse 29 says, but he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat that is with them, wheat with them. He said, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. But gather the weed into my barn. There's going to come a day when the Lord's going to separate that thing. And I don't have to worry about separating. You know, it's not my job to separate. That's the Lord's job. You know, my job is to be faithful. And not to let somebody confound me before them. Are you weak, Are you weak when it comes to talking? To the problem isn't somebody else. The problem is you. The problem is always you. You know what you got to do? I'm, I'm an introvert. I tell everybody I'm an introvert, man. I just, I just my, my uh, cousin came up, Michelle, the other day. I think they're going to move up here. But uh, her son uh, is, would be, I don't know what he'd be. My, if she's my cousin. He's my second cousin, maybe, I guess. But anyways, he's worse. He's an introvert, man. He's sitting there the whole time, but he's doing this. And he's a geek, which is even worse. And he's sitting there doing this. I'm like, you're an introvert, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I said, well, I'm one too. He goes, well, you don't act like one. I said, yeah, I'm one. I said, I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, yeah, I'm an introvertaholic anonymous. I'm an introvert anonymous. Uh, I'm, I'm, hi, my name's Mike, and I'm an introvert. I am trying everything I can not to be an introvert. Hi, my name is Mike. I said, you haven't got there yet. And he's just sitting there with this little thing like this. You know what you got to do to get away from that? That thing right there is a, a toy of the devil. 
to get you from talking to somebody. If your life is wrapped up in this thing, you, you are, you're definitely not, you're, you're not wheat yet. <laughs> you're definitely got some issues, man, or the tares have got you, man. Uh, I don't care. It's about my pay grade. I've learned a long time ago not to care about the tares. Uh, people say, well, you, you ought to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking at another van, by the way, another 12-passenger van, and if I get it, I would like to see a couple people in teams take those vans and, first of all, forget the vans, but go out and start witnessing and winning people to Christ yourself and bring them to church on the, in the vans. I said, well, I'll supply the vans. I'll supply the gas. <gasps> yeah, we will, man. If you will go do the work. But if you expect me to do the work, you know what's sad? I remember we'd go street preaching. I could go street preaching. If I went out on that, I'm not, I'm not, don't get upset with me. I don't care if you do anyways. If I went out there on the corner, there'd be 12, 14, 15 people on the corner. If I didn't go on the corner, nobody went. Why is that? If you were going for Mike Elliott, you went for the wrong reason. I go for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it is. The Lord tells you what to do. You go to, I go to jails for the Lord Jesus Christ. I go tell somebody about Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ. I don't do that because of somebody else who makes. I do it for him. What is the wheat to the tares? I don't have to worry about the tares. You know what's wrong now? We're getting ready for this vote coming up. Some of y'all probably actually worried about that. I don't know why you're worried about that. My God's greater than that. He's done said, what is the wheat to the tares? I'm not telling you not to vote. Don't be walking out here and saying, well, Mike said I shouldn't vote. I didn't say that, and I'm not even going to preach at you if you do vote. I won't even preach at you if you don't vote. But I'm telling you, you're worried about something that is out of your control. And it's always been out of your control. It'll never be in your control. It wasn't in control of Jesus' day. And when he had the opportunity to stand before Pilate, and Pilate said, what is truth? He didn't say nothing. Why? He could have told him everything from the fact. Pilate would not have had enough time left in his life to listen to Jesus tell him what was going on. Because he could have started back at the foundation of the world and went on, and you just ain't got enough time. Even if he paraphrased about every bit of it, you wouldn't still have enough time. But it goes on. He says, well, let, let both grow together. And he says, I'll put the, I'll, I, at the end, I'm going to separate the thing. John 17, 24, the title of this message again is Above My Pay Grade. John 17, 24, real quick. I'm going to look at three or four verses and then say a couple things and I'll be, I'll be done quickly. Maybe. You know what it is? I'm telling you, brother, you have a responsibility and most people have never got their response. You don't really realize what the responsibility is. If y'all didn't know I was in the Navy, I ate that thing up. Yes, I was, brother. Yeah, I really was. I ate that thing up, man. I mean, I thought, I thought, man, that I was right where God wanted me to be. I thought I was right where the Lord Jesus Christ wanted me to be, and he gave me an opportunity to do something, and I was going to do the best I could possibly do, and from the day I went in the Navy, I did exactly. I was child runner, man. You say, oh, you're a child runner. Yeah, what's that? That's the guy who all the way at the back of the boot camp up at Great Lakes, Illinois, they put you at the back of the boot camp, and the chow hall's like two miles down the road there somewhere, and somebody's got to run from way back here all the way down there and tell them, we got 90 people coming to breakfast, so that they can make breakfast for 90 people here, and then the next guy's got a child runner so they'll know that they've got 3,700 people they got to cook for or whatever they got they let me be child runner I'm like yeah man I get to be child runner 22 years old I was excited about being child runner 
You know why? Because I was in the Navy. I didn't care what I was doing in the Navy. Could care less, man. I'm in the Navy. That's exactly where I'm. I get to do something in the Navy. I'm in the Navy. You know, you're in God's Navy. Actually, in his army. You're in God's army. The Navy's part of God's army. And, and let me ask you a question. What are you, how excited are you about doing something in God's army? I had a blast, man. I'm telling you what, for 14 years I had a blast. You know when I stopped having a blast is when they put themselves between me and my Lord. You put yourself between me and him and we got a problem. And when the moment they, I mean, I would give night and day. I worked on those ships night and day. While everybody else is out partying, I was on those ships working night and day. I would work three or four or five o'clock in the morning getting stuff fixed or ordered and parts ordered. So when our ship got underway, everything that we had was working. That was my ship. That satellite station was my satellite station. That was mine. And everything there is going to work. Everything. Why? Because I'm doing it for God. And it, it was a worldly thing. Why do we come to church and do it half-hearted? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because you're looking at me as the example that you're, no, you're looking at the wrong person. You're supposed to look at him. The wheat always looks at, you know, wheat grows up toward the sun. You ever thought about that? All the animals, all the, all the plants, everything else, not animals, all the plants grow up. They don't grow down. They grow, the roots go down first until they get stabilized, and then they go straight up. The fruit comes off up at the top somewhere where the light hits. If you don't have light, you ain't going to have no fruit unless you're a mushroom. And I, I, they're all right on eggs, I guess, and a few other things, maybe a steak or something. Father, First uh, John chapter uh, 17, 24. I want to read this passage because I, he says, Sanctify them through that truth. Thy word is truth. As, as thou hast sent uh, me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. That's you. You do understand that, right? That's you. Now, he's talking about the disciples here, but that's us. We get the opportunity, we get the privilege, we get the privilege to go sent. You're not sent through me. You're sent through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, by the means. Uh, he says, uh, he goes, for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they almost also may be, or they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also. Wait a minute, am I in the right place? I'm going to make sure I'm in the right 1724. Oh, I'm, I'm way back there, man. I was going to read the whole chapter. Father, go down to 24. But that's true. He sent us into the world. That's a good precursor to this thing. Father, the Holy Spirit must have had me do that. Uh, Father, I, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, uh, that they may uh, be, uh, behold my glory, which thou hast, uh, man, let me get there. Uh, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Three times in your Bible, the phrase, before the foundation of the world, shows up. Only three times. All three times is a reference. Uh, Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be God, the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he, Christ, had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Before, it's above your pay grade. You know he had this figured out way before we came around. I'm just letting you know. I mean, I'm letting you know that, that, that you get to be part of this, but he's already got this thing figured out. 
And he don't need me and you to come in and mess the thing up. What he needs you to do is get in the program. That's all I did in the Navy. I'm telling you, man, that's all I did. I, I was a chow runner. But I went in as 167 pounds. You might not believe that, but I was really 167 pounds when I went in the Navy. And they told me that, Mike, you can't be a child runner. I said, why? I just want to be a child runner. I just, no, no, we understand what you want to be, but you can't be that. I said, why? Because you're losing weight. And if you lose any more weight, we're going to kick you out. You got to get fatter. So then they made me, he put me in the front of the line. Because if you go in the back of the line, the moment that last guy walks through the door, you got five minutes to eat. But if you got 90 people going through line and you're at the front of the line, you got the five minutes at the end plus all the time it takes the other guys. He said, Mike, you need to eat. Like, you need to go back for seconds and thirds and, like, everything. Eat. So I had to eat taters, lots of taters. I said, okay, man, I can do that. I said, I like to eat anyways. So he took chow runner away from me and made me eat. Then they put me in the, then they put me in the drill guard. And they came by and said, we need some tall people to flip the rifles all around and all this other stuff. But you got to stay in boot camp for three more weeks because you got to do your graduation and two more after that. It's the drill team. It's the ones who do all the, the, the horns and the trumpets and all that stuff and the rifle throwing stuff. And I got to throw rifles with bayonets on, real bayonets, man. It was cool. Swirl them around, all that cool stuff. And uh, you say, well, I, I was in the Navy. I didn't care, man. I'm in the Navy. Whatever they want, I'll do, man. I'll do it. I like, I like Dr. Roman always said, if you're in the Army, if, if you walk up to something, and it doesn't move, or if, if, if you walk up to something, salute it. If it doesn't move, pick it up. If you can't pick it up, paint it. I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. Who cares? Anything else, that's, that's what you do. Any scenario you walk up to, you walk up to it. You can't move it. You paint it. You paint everything. Have you ever walked onto a base and everything's painted? Rocks are painted, man. I mean, everything's painted. That's that motto, man. Is if you can't, if you salute it, if it don't move, move it. If it doesn't move, paint it. They use a lot of paint. Lots of paint. But I got to do that kind of stuff, man. You say, what was that? Well, I went, after I graduated, I was doing that thing for three extra weeks. I didn't care. You got one life to live. That's all you got. That's it, man. You ought to enjoy every minute of it. All of a sudden, hey, I'm in the Navy. I, you know, my main thing was I was in the Navy. I did not care what I did while I was in the Navy. I came in the Navy to go to submarines. You say, what is that? I don't know. It's a, it's a thing out there. Sinks. I didn't really care. I just want to be in the Navy. I do whatever you want me to do. I clean toilets if you let me come in and be in the Navy. Well, I wouldn't do that because when I tried to, when I went in, he said, oh, I can't, you can't be an ET. I was getting ready to walk out. Then he let me be an ET. But uh, I wouldn't have cleaned toilets. I would have not went in the Navy for that probably. My dad was already a toilet cleaner, and I was, he was a master plumber, and that's what I did too. So I, I already knew what that was and been there, got the T-shirt. But anyways, I did that. And, and when I graduated, they sent me over to Great Lakes, Illinois. Wrong school. Should have sent me to damn neck, Virginia. I didn't care. I'm in the Navy. <laughs> I'm sitting over there for six months, man, cutting grass. Mm. I've done went from clippers, tweezers, pulling grass out with tweezers, clipping grass with clippers. They gave me a weed eater, mm. a push mower. Mm. I'm on a ride mower now, man. I've arrived. I'm like, I got my own crew. I got everything. I'm good to go. I'm fixed up. I'm in the Navy. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm in the Navy. I'm cutting grass. I thought, I thought to myself, self, you're, one of these days you're going to have a long beard. You're going to retire off this lawnmower. <laughs> and you're going to be a seaman apprentice. <laughs> and I don't know if they'll let me stay in that long. <laughs> Somewhere, somehow, they're going to eventually have to figure out where I'm at. So I go up there and knock on the door. Knock, 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 knock. I said, hey, I, I don't really mind. You know, I'll stay down here cutting grass. I don't care, man. I'm in the Navy. 
I said, but I joined the Navy to be an electronic technician. They go, yeah. I said, I've been down here cutting grass for like six months. And all my friends have done come through and finished BWE, and they're on off to those C schools and stuff. And, and I haven't started my school. I was supposed to be in Damn Neck, Virginia, by the way, on sub-school. They should have transferred me right from boot camp uh, to Great Lakes, went through BWE, and then down to Damn Neck, Virginia for a sub-school. Players Electronics, two years. That's where I should have been. And on sub, blah, 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 down I go. I go over and knock on the door. They go, what? You've been cutting grass for six months? I said, yeah. And they throw me right into school. So I start BWE, and then I go into ETA school. And two years later, I graduate. I did not care. I'm in the Navy. I did whatever they told me to do. Stand on your head, stand on your head. I get to go downstairs work with these. I didn't, I didn't care. I was in the Navy. Two years later, I, go to, I graduate. I graduate number one. I go to the place to check out to go to my next school, which is in Fort Gordon, Georgia. It's an army base. Why would you send a sailor to an army base? Just to make them look bad. That's the only reason you never send a sailor on an army base. Where they can see what a real soldier or sailor should be like. <laughs> I'm joking there. That's because that's I get to preach now. It's my turn. But, uh, but I, I, I'm sitting there checking out. And the lady's checking me out at the checkout place up at Great Lakes. Illinois. She goes, oh, Mr. Elliot, Penny Officer Elliot. I'm, a, I'm already an E4, man. I'm an ET, got my little insignia and everything. I'm ready to go. She goes, Mr. Elliot. She goes, yeah. She goes, we messed up. I said, you did? She goes, yes. I said, how did you mess up? She goes, you were supposed to be in Damn Nag, Virginia the last two years. You weren't supposed to be here. I said, yeah, that's what I signed up for, submarines. I said, well, I don't care, man. I'm in the Navy. <laughs> she goes, that's a breach of contract. I said, what's that mean? She says, well, you have three options now. I said, I do? She goes, yeah. I said, what are they? She said, number one, she said, you can get out of the Navy right now because we broke our contract. Our contract with you was to send you to Polaris Electronics School, and we didn't do it. I said, okay, what's behind door number two? She said, well, behind door number two is you can keep what you have. I said, well, what's behind door number three? She said, submarine-based school down in, in uh, Damn Neck, Virginia for two years. I said, I keep what I got. <laughs> I'm in the Navy. Don't care, man. I'm, I'm right where I wanted to be. You know what God did? He maneuvered that whole thing and lost me. And I'm over here on the side lost until he wanted to re-inject me back into the picture and they didn't know what to do with me and they did the wrong thing with me and he, I was never supposed to go on a submarine. Lord got me out of that thing. I didn't care. You know why? I was in the Navy. Now, brother, you think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a maniac. You ought to see me down at that satellite station. There was a day down there, I mean, I was, I was a wacko crazy nut. We had, a, our, we had big old 12, we had generator, our generator room is about the size of this church, and we had two big old generators in here, and then we had batteries on the back side of that. Each one of those had their own battery set up. This was huge, man. I mean, you talking about uh, frying you, this would fry you to even get around it. And I'm sitting there one night at 2 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden we're getting ready to crash and burn. This generator goes down. Uh, the batteries are bad on that generator. This generator's bad. This generator's good. The batteries over here are good, but the batteries over here are bad. And the only and and it just so happens that one of our great techs done blew out the Vepco line. So you're you're on these guys right here. This is all you got until they fix everything. They ain't gonna have this stuff fixed for a couple more months. So I've got two options. I either figure out what to do here, or in two hours we're going down. The whole entire fleet site's gonna go down, and all the fleet's gonna lose everything. All the information from Cam's Land, Washington, everything comes right through us. Gonna be gone. They'll get it back in 20, 30 minutes, whatever. But somewhere else, but not from us. And I'm like, wait a second, man, and you know what the Lord had done? 
Because I walked around. Now, I'm getting to a point here. I was, I was walking in and out of all these places because I was stationed duty officer. And my 48 hours on there, I was, at, I was working. But I was, when I had my 48 hours off on the 48 hours I was working, I was at work probably 30 of those 48 hours just because I wanted to be because I was in the Navy. That's all I was, man. I was just in the Navy. And I should be where the Navy is. So I was out there working. It just so happens I was around all these engineers and they were redoing all this stuff so nobody could blow those lines out again like Steve Tice did. So they were putting all these safeguards in and this guy would say this and none of them guys knew, none of them, none of them knew how the whole thing was going to work. Not one, not one. And I'm sitting there and this guy says that, that guy says this, this guy says that, this guy says that, that guy, blah, blah, blah. I just, it's like going in here. And it just so happens one night I'm on watch. And it just so happens we're getting ready to go down. And I'm sitting there going, oh, Lord, what do I do? And I said, but this guy said this. So I went over there and started looking and said, yeah, that, that might work. So I flipped the switch and did this and did that. And pretty soon I, was, I, I had this configuration that just blew everybody out of the water, man. I mean, just, it was cool, man. But I, I got this last big switch is about this big. And I had to flip this switch at a certain time because if I did the wrong thing, I was going to do the same thing to those generators that Steve Tice did to the front lines out there. And he blew out 440 lines for a half a mile away from that site on, on two phases going. I mean, three phases coming in two different lines. He blew them all out. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I said, that guy, man, I hope he was right. And there's this little meter about this big, two of them, and they were doing this, like this. And he said, when they both get at the top, like there's a little wind up here. When they're both in that window, he said, right there, they're, they're like in phase. And he goes, if you switch right there, They'll suck each other in the face. But if you're outside that thing, it's like, like arcing, man. It'll just blow everything up. So I, I run everybody out of the room. I said, y'all get out here. Everybody leave. I said, if anybody, I said, if something happens, they're going to blow me against the wall over here. And y'all just tell me in the morning, that's me over there on the wall, the red spot. And I was serious, man. You said, why would you do that? No, there was another tech there that would have done that. They were all a bunch of stinking cowards, man. They weren't in the Navy. It was a job to them. But this, was a, this wasn't a job to me. This was my life. This was it. This was what I was here for. And I sit there and go, okay. And I sit there. I'm sweating, man. I'm sweating. And I flip that switch, and I heard them generators go, and I knew. I said, it worked. And I went over and turned the bad one off because it's getting ready to die anyways. The next morning, they came in, and this generator's on, and those batteries on, feeding this side over here on the back side of that thing. And the engineers are looking like, I mean, we're talking about the entire base engineering department was there. Balovich had an office about the size of this. And I went, I got off at 6, and I went to bed, and by 8.30, they were down there. Elliot, get down here right now. Balovich wants to see you right now. I go down there. I said, yes, sir. I walk in the room, man. You had to walk in like this because everybody's in there. I get to his desk, and he's right there. I said, yes, sir. He goes, Elliot, they want to know how you did that. He goes, there's not a man in this room who could do what you just did. They all want to know how you did that. I said, well, you said this, you said that, you said this, you said that, you said this, you said that. It just made sense. And I said, when I, and I said how was I supposed to know? And Balavid just started laughing at me. He said, get out of here, go to bed, man. See you later, Bob. <laughs> Why did I do that? I was in the Navy. Now, I'm going to stop right there with the Navy thing, but that's the same thing on the ships out there. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever get saved? I got in the Lord's Army in 1980. I have been this way ever since I got into the Lord's Army. I was just glad to get into the Army in 1980. 
I was, this just so happens it coincided me going to the Navy at the same time. I think the Lord used the Navy for me in my life for 14 years to get me to where I needed to be. But, but that wasn't, the Navy was just like cream on the top of the cake. The cake was Jesus Christ. And I was sitting there following him, and he would show me, and he was teaching me stuff, and he taught me the Bible's Word of God. I got a Bible education. I got Greek and Hebrew. That, that didn't have nothing to do with me knowing the King James Bible's Word of God. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit himself, showed me that book is the Word of God. There's no reason why he doesn't show us or you guys the same thing. God is not a respecter of any person. I'm no different than you are. You know what the only difference is? I wanted to get saved. I knew what a Catholic was. That was me. I knew what the Catholic Church had. Zero, nothing. I knew what I wanted. I wanted Jesus Christ. But I didn't know how to get him. He says, you really want me? I said, yes, sir. I said, oh, Lord, you know me. I'm a mess. I'm out here. I don't know what to do. And I said, you're the only answer I got. And you're up in heaven and you're not talking. And he puts a book in my hand. And the book starts talking. And I'm talking to the book and talking to this guy and talking to the book and talking to this guy. I just wanted to be in the Lord's army. I just wanted to be a Christian. You know what I've been struggling to be for 43 years? A Christian. That's it. I'm not trying to impress nobody. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I'm just trying to be what the Lord wants me to be. You know what's wrong with a lot of people? They try to do something above their pay grade. And they make a mess of it. All I did, I've had people say, well, how did you, how, if I could bottle what you've done, I could make a million. I said, look, brother, all I did was in 1980, trust Jesus Christ on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. And I tried to do what he told me to do for 43 years. That's all I can tell you. And I made a mess of it. I feel like I've made a mess of it. I'm going to get to heaven. I'm, I like, I'm afraid in the sense to walk into the judgment seat of Christ. I know he loves me and I know he's cheering me on and I know he wants me to do good. But boy, I just don't think I've done enough. And I'm not going to do what everybody thinks I should do. What you think I should do is not what he wants me to do. What is the wheat to the chaff? It's nothing. Man, i got to shut up. <laughs> Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 3. I'll read these three verses and I'll be done. Before the founder of John, John 17, 24, he says before. Go to Ephesians 1, 3. This will take two minutes. I won't say a whole lot about none of this stuff. I'm lying. You know that. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God of our fathers and our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ. I'm blessed up there already. According as he, Christ, hath chosen us before him in the found, before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world. Now, that's not Calvinistic. If he's omniscient, he knows. He knows what he's going to put in front of me. He knows that I'm going to trust him. Free will, he knows I'm going to do that. And he knows you're going to do it too. He still gives you a chance. You know what my job is? Is trying to encourage you to go on another, another step. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Go to 1 Peter 1.18. I'll stop right here. I'll pick it up Sunday night. Y'all pray for Joe. He's going to be gone this weekend. You're going to be gone through Monday, right? Okay. Sunday afternoon? Sunday night. Yeah. Y'all pray for him. He's going to be over there preaching. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, I'm telling you what, man, it's, uh, he, it's a blessing. He's getting an opportunity to go somewhere and, and be something. 118, 1 Peter 118. Great passage. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Isn't it amazing? Silver and gold in God's eyes is corruptible, which it is. He says, uh, corruptible uh, with silver and gold from your vain conversation received from the traditions of your father, 
but with the precious blood of Christ. So the blood of Christ is worth more than silver and gold. As a lamb without blemish, blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Brethren, we have an opportunity to do some stuff. And until you get a hold of that and you grab that thing for yourself, uh, it was like me in the Navy. And I, I, I love my Navy stories. I love them myself. And they encourage me to go on because, you know, when I look back at those, I'm, I'm looking at the Lord. And, and then there's other things past that that the Lord's given me. But, I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all these things. I'm like, Lord, this is where you taught me to trust you. And you, you showed me what it is to, to get involved in something. I feel sorry for people who don't go in the military. Not that I would tell you to go in the military, so don't everybody go join the military tomorrow. Because uh, it's not the same thing. But for me, that's what the Lord used. He, he gave me something to show me how to put my life into it. And once I got a hold of how to put my life into that thing, then he says, now you transfer that over to this, which is me. And in my case, it was kind of went side by side all the way down through there. So it wasn't really a transferal. It was like learning at the same time. So when I got out there a ways, and all of a sudden I realized that this wasn't going the way the Lord was going, I needed to go this way. The division was easier. It was tough to make that division there, but I still made that division. But you sit there and look at that thing and say, Lord, you're teaching me. You know, I feel sorry for people that never learn what the relationship with Jesus will learn the relationship. You know, a relationship down here is the pits. I don't care if you find that. It's the pits unless Jesus Christ is dead center. I met her nine years after I got saved. Uh, I knew that she was the lady I was supposed to meet. I met her actually in Sue's house, Miss Sue's house. That's where I first laid eyes on that girl at. You say, what was that? The Lord said, Mike, you got to wait nine years. You hear me say that. You got to wait. You got to wait. People say, I can't wait. Well, then you're going to mess up. You wait for God, man. You wait for God. Whatever that thing is, you wait for God. And it's you and the Lord. It has nothing to do with anybody else. You know, you can glean off of what other people do. I learned from all kinds of people down through history. But when it got right down to it, that choice I made that night in flipping that switch, I could have blew that entire site up and killed myself. I knew that that was my choice. That wasn't nobody else's choice. If I didn't do that, my boss wouldn't have been mad at me. He would have understood. He goes, Mike, nobody knew how to do what you just did. He wasn't saying, oh, you have to do this. No. And if I hadn't done that, he wouldn't have blamed me one bit. But I didn't even think about him. I was thinking about my Navy and the job that I had and the position that I was in and the responsibility. You know, you got a responsibility to serve Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility, and that meeting in January is, is focused on us getting our minds where it needs to be. If, brethren, if this church is ever going to do anything for God, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take every single one of us in this room. You have contacts with people that I do not even know, and your reaction to them will depend on what their eternities could be. There are so many churches out there, they're just trying to build churches. I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to build people. That's all I care about, building people. You build people, they'll build the church. But you try to build a people, if I go away, the church goes away. Well, I don't know about you, man, but I like leaving a ship and knowing the ship was still going to go out to sea sailing. I, had a, I was in front of a chief's board one time, and they said, Mr. Petty Officer Elliott, what do you think the sign of a great leader is? I said, when he's gone, you don't even know he's missed. You know, our captain could leave the ship and the ship could still get underway. 
The XO, we had the XO. If the XO and the captain were both gone, we had an OPSO, and the OPSO guy could get our ship underway. When I left that ship, it still ran, and the techs could still fix stuff. When I got there, they couldn't blow their nose. You know what I made sure they learned in three years is how to fix stuff and how to use what they already knew. You know what the wrong, they already knew everything I knew. They did not know how to implement what, I, what they knew. You know what's wrong with most Christians today? You know what to do, you just don't know how to implement it. What you got to do is you got to figure out how to implement it. I like Bob Jones. He said the hardest two words in the English language is do right. You know, doing right isn't easy. It never is easy. Sometimes it is. I guess it's it. Uh, but it's very difficult sometimes. I mean, I was in Myers today with Brother Joe, and he went and got some stuff, and I went by these box of caramel apples with nuts. I'm like, man. And these two black girls walk by. I'm like, are y'all looking at those apples too? And this one goes, oh, yeah. Right? And I'm like, are you going to get some? I'm trying to get somebody to talk me into it. And she said, yeah, I think I am. But this other black girl said, I don't like them. I'm like, why don't you like them? Are you out of God's will? You're the tear, man. You're a tear. You ain't no wheat. Wheat would like come. And I didn't say all that, but I mean, she's a tear, man. She's like, she goes, I don't like them. Got nuts on them. I said, well, you can get caramel apples. But she, I just don't like caramel on the apples. Now, I like taking caramel and, and dipping my apple in it. And the other black girl goes, it's the same thing. What's the difference? <laughs> it's just different. And, man, I mean, I'm walking all through the store, and halfway through, I find Joe, and we go back, and here these two black girls walk by. And I said, did you get those apples? And she goes, yeah, I did. I said, did you get some? She goes, I don't like them. I went up there, man, I felt good. I went up there. I was on the way out there right there, and I was looking at them, the three-pack. Caramel, nuts, and apples, sticks. And apples, caramel, nuts. They stick to the roof of your mouth and your teeth. I said, I can't do it. I had to walk away. I said, you know, that was between me and Lord right there. And actually, I thought, if I take this home, Beth's going to eat all three of them. And then she's going to blame me because she ate all three of them. I already know how that goes. I'm like, Lord, you know, really, this is between me and you. You know what's wrong with what the world today is we try to bring other people to doing right isn't always easy, man. Sometimes you got to walk, walk by the caramel. I told you about the cheesecakes. There's two cheesecakes there. I always told Lord. I told Lord at the house times. If I walk into Kroger's and there's a cheesecake on clearance, it's God's will that I get that cheesecake. I walked in one day and there was two of them. I'm like, oh God, God's not the author of confusion. I don't know which one is. Neither one of them. I walk away. It can't be God's will. There's two of them. You know what? You have to basically put that on every facet of your life. Is this God's will, and, and would he be pleased, and this is the right thing to do? And sometimes, you know, the Lord won't tell you what the right thing to do is. You already know what the right thing to do is. You just got to do it. What is the wheat to the tares, the chaff? It's nothing. I am the wheat. And there's something inside of me that is different than what's in the rest of this world out here. And the tares will never see that. What the tares are going to do is try to destroy the wheat. And they're going to come up. You know what a tear does? A tear grows up and, and it sucks the moisture and the nutrients and everything out of the ground and, and starves the wheat. That's what tears do. You know what this world, and Jesus Christ likens the tears of this world to that. And he's saying, but don't pull them out. He goes, I know exactly where they're at. 
Believe me, God knows exactly where the tares are. And sometimes we'll try to pull them out and we'll damage the wheat in the process. The thing to do, let it go. Lord knows exactly what to do. And one day he'll yank the tares out and he'll bundle them up and he'll throw them into hell like you wouldn't believe and he won't bat an eye at it. And it won't, you know what? Whether somebody goes to heaven or hell is above my pay grade. My job is to tell them with a straight face, with an honest faith, faithfully. You know what our job is tonight, church? Is to learn how to be faithful. What does the Lord require of me? It shouldn't be what does he require of Anchor Baptist. We are Anchor Baptist Church. We are the church. Forget Anchor Baptist Church. We are the church of the living God. If you're saved in here, that's what we are. Let me ask you a question. Are you in the church of the living God? Or are you just in church? Boy, I tell you what, when I learned, I'm in, I'm in God's army. And, and I had to make some hard decisions one time. I made the decisions, and I'm perfectly glad I'm doing it. Because one of these days, my life is going to be over. It's appointed a man wants to die, and after this, the judge, and one of these days, it's over. And I'm gonna, this thing is going to be, it's going to go away. And I'm going to be out there asking for the body, present of the Lord. I'm going to be with him for all eternity. And that's what matters, really, out there. That's what I'm working for is that out there. I'm not working for nothing down here. It's that out there. And the relationship is between me and him for me to get there, and your relationship should be between you and him, not between me and you. How are you doing with that tonight? Father, thank you for your blessings. Father, we'll continue this on Sunday night. I just want to thank you for the word of God, Lord, that you've given us and uh, just the, the knowledge, Lord, that this book holds. And, Lord, the, you take the responsibilities away of a lot of stuff that we have no control over. And, Lord, it's way above our pay grade. But, Lord, we, get to, we have the pleasure of serving you in the field. Help us to be the good servants out here, Lord, and, and uh, not hurt the wheat, uh, Lord. And uh, if the tares have to grow, help us to uh, deal patiently with the tares. And, Father, we'll thank you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.